So there was maybe a little bit of false advertising uh, last week, um, but I'm blaming the Holy Spirit on this one as he is the head of the marketing department at the Bay City Church. So we blame the Holy Spirit. Um, the, the plan was, yes, to have my very jet-lagged, um, very um, tired husband uh, preach this morning, but God got involved in the week, and I was pottering around the house on Tuesday, and he said to me, there's a part two, and I said, no, there's not. Um, Sheldon is <laughs> more than capable of carrying this. I'm done. Flat, flat, my story is no eight. Um, translated as in, I've said everything I needed to say. But he hasn't said everything he needed to say. And in chatting with Sheldon, as he was away, a picture started appearing of this being a bit of a a two-man situation this morning, as the stories of what Sheldon experienced in South Korea really go together with what God is wanting to say this morning, really much an extension of what I spoke about last week. If you are a South African, and if you've been in South Africa, um, I would say the last couple of years, you know what the issues we face. But something happened this week. And it wasn't one of those, oh, we're at stage six load shedding again. There was like a bit of a spirit, a bit of an atmosphere began to fall across our country. You could feel it wherever you went. It wasn't, I can't quite class it as hopelessness, but it's kind of a despair a despair. And you remember last week I spoke about hope fatigue. When something is fatigued, it means it is weakened because of continuous pressure. And as a country, we have been under continuous pressure for the last 20 years. And I say that, yes, I know it goes back further, but in my adult life of 20 years, I have only ever known this country to suffer. And as the... Sorry. He's definitely back in the room. I did not have this last week. I could just flow. Only kidding. Very grateful to have my husband back. Trust me. But you see, you can't do that to me now, Moss. Because then, like, now it's gone out my brain. What was I saying? 20 years. Thank you. Thank you. You know, you feel my pain. That's 20 years of my adult life. That's what I'm referring to. I'm a 1981 baby. I grew up in apartheid. I grew up in apartheid. I, um, although was quite young, understood what was going on, but obviously being much younger, actually, should I just switch to the other mic? Yeah, let's just go to the other mic. Right, so growing up in, in the 80s, having an awareness of apartheid, obviously, but um, I was 13 years old in 1994, and as a 13-year-old, I felt the atmosphere in our house, I felt the atmosphere of attention that as a 13-year-old I couldn't quite explain, but understood something serious was going on the way my parents were talking in hushed tones. The TV was on constantly with the news of what was happening in this land. I feel that same atmosphere today in this land. I feel the tipping point. I sense the enemy. 
but much more I sense the Lord. I sense him coming in and saying, it is your time, South Africa. It is your time. And we've said this for years and years. And I know that many of you that have lived through and seen all this, it's almost a, yeah, but I mean, what's going to change? Eh? Let's be honest. What's going to change? They're going to get in power again. We're going to go in the same way again. You can choose that. I choose not to choose that because I have children. And if I don't stand up and do something about my country, what am I leaving them? I would rather have it said about me, she did everything she could. I would much rather that be said about me than, oh, well, they don't even know my name. What did she actually achieve? I want to be the one known who didn't shut up, who didn't just go, oh, well, you know, these are things that happened, but the Lord is good. The Lord is great. Yes, he is. But like I said last week, the ecclesia is not some weird, magical thing that you sign up to and then things just magically happen. It actually means you've got to do something. There's a, there's a process. There's a, there's a co-laboring. To labor means to actually work. You know, there's a generation growing up that think that um, it's quite normal to go to work. Um, firstly, oh, this, these are brilliant. These are my, my favorite TikToks. Get ready with me. G-R-W-M. Get ready with me. And it's some, bless her heart, 20-year-old. 20, 20 um, she's got the most stunning apartment in New York City. Okay. And it's, get ready with me. Follow me through my day. She gets up. She puts on her Nespresso machine, which I only got, let me tell you, we only got an Nespresso machine because it got given to us, and I was well in my 30s. Just saying, okay? 20-year-old, Nespresso machine. Looks out her window at New York. Come spend a day at the office with me. Looks like she arrives at about 10 o'clock, has like a five-minute meeting, then it's off to coffee with a friend. And we get out our laptop and it's tick, 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 tick. Finish the day. Come have drinks with me. As my friends, she's worked a total of two hours, maybe, if that. Okay, so what I'm, I'm making light. But there's a generation growing up not understanding what it is to work. What it understand it is to suffer. Okay, to suffer a boss who is narcissistic to his back teeth. And have to deal with him every single day. Oh, they do on TikTok. They do have narcissistic bosses. And then they come on TikTok and they whine about it. And then the boss finds the TikTok and then they get fired. Oopsies. But I have to stand up. Now is the time. So, I mean, these notes are actually just laughable at this point. Um, I was... Let's do a little bit of a recap, just for Sheldon's benefit. Just so you were here, because you weren't here last week. What I was talking about is the Bay's been on a journey. 30 years in October. Nine of those years in February being led by Sheldon and I. We know what our mandate is, to, to receive, train, and send. We receive people, we train them, we send them. We understand as the Bay that's our mandate. Do you know what a mandate is? Because I was flinging this word all over the place. If you don't, that's okay. It's just an official order or a commission to do something. We are commissioned by the Lord. Okay? He gives us our mandate. 
I spoke about the ecclesia, who and what they are. I'll read back in my other disaster. I mean, if anybody had to see these notes, you would honestly question. You'd question so much. Okay. Now I can't find it. Because it's back in the other notes. There we go. The Ecclesia. It describes a redeemed people who are summoned and assembled to be granted authority to accomplish the business of heaven on earth, a ruling council or legislative body. So I spoke about the Ecclesia last week as it not being this magical thing that we join to, but as it's who we are as the people of God. Some churches just do church. That's fine. Bless you. I can't do that anymore. I can't do church anymore. I've had it. Don't give me a program. Don't give me the welcome word worship. I'm not ripping it to shreds, but I'm ripping it to shreds. I'm done. We can't do that church anymore. You can't come here on a Sunday anymore and get your little tank filled up and skip through your week. I don't even notice. You skip, you're going to skip straight into a pothole. Not so much in Cape Town because you know we have the city of Cape Town. But you know, rest of the country. I've maybe seen one or two puddles, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a puddle. <laughs> and the Joburgers are like, come to Joburg. But can't do this anymore. We can't do our little huddle, okay? It's done now. It's done now. We always say, there's no walls in the church. But just keep the walls, just keep the walls. <laughs> the walls are gone. The walls are gone. And so we had the red, I, I was talking about Moses and the Red Sea moment. And the brilliant part about that Red Sea moment when the orcs were coming over the mountain, Nadine, I, know, I couldn't think of something demonic and gross, so I, orcs, when the orcs were coming over the mountain. But in that moment, what struck me, and we can read it if you'd like, because you think, oh, she's not even opening the Bible, it's one of those. Just use my face for the, there we go. Okay. So if we're going to go back to um, Isaiah... Exodus 14. They have now obviously escaped Egypt. They have um, come to this place. They are now moaning at Moses because why on earth did you take us to die here when we could have died in Egypt? They're having a fall down day. But the most amazing part for me that struck me is that then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night, without one coming near the other all night. And my point with that is that God does not panic he wasn't like, Moses, hoy, quickly, I'll hold back like what I can, but just get as many of a cross as you can. This was all planned. So here we are in 2023 in South Africa. It's all planned. Our Red Sea moment is all planned. There is no rush here. There is no panic. I understand the call to pray, but I do not adhere to the panicked call to pray. The ecclesia is not reactive. I don't react 
to something that is happening. The ecclesia is strategic. We know the signs of the times. We know what's going on. And we know what we ought to do. It's not now panic prayer. The more people we get praying, the more will happen. Sorry. It doesn't work like that. There were many prayer meetings called in 1994. And maybe there was a lot of panic because this was, this was huge. But I can tell you something then. There was a remnant then. And there was an ecclesia in 1994 that knew. And they were decreeing and they were declaring over this country. And God moved. If he's done it once, he will do it again. He'll do it again. He will do it again. This isn't a fear-mongering thing, but it, surely as the church, as the ecclesia, we've got to get real. There's a headline that came out um, in the last two days saying that businesses are now looking at cutting people's salaries due to the number of hours of load shedding there are during the day. Nurser just said yes to an ESCOM price hike. Pay more and you get nothing. Not even less at this point. We're not getting anything. Okay? But we're not panicking. We're not panicking. Because I know as we face the Red Sea in this land, I know that God has put a pillar of cloud behind us between us and the enemy. He's got time. We've got time. And we don't have to panic. There is also no quick fix out of this. So please, let's not do this victorious theology thing now, okay? Where it's like, we are going to pray, and God's going to do it. And then, then it doesn't quite happen, um, okay? And then we get hope fatigue. Remember what I said last week. Hope deferred is caused by us. Our expectations of God and His timing, and how we think His time should be. God never, ever, if He has spoken something, he will follow it through. He is so faithful to the end. He really and truly is. So now, as South Africans, this is, there's two things South Africans do in times of crisis. We find the humor. Very quickly, we find the humor. Because if we don't laugh, we will cry. What stage eight load shedding when ESCOM blows, comes and blows your candles out? You know, that kind of stuff. Many, many countries don't understand us because we're just like, it's freaking serious. And we're like, that's brilliant. Did you see what was on Facebook, Mary? Oh, my gosh, it was so funny. And then when you get it on WhatsApp, it says forwarded many times. All the South Africans forwarding. And then the second thing we do as South Africans is we make a plan. Okay? We love to make a plan. No problem. We've had load shedding for the entirety of my daughter's life. Ella has only ever known load shedding in its various forms. But no problem, we will make a plan. If it's not a generator, now you get inverters, now you can do this, now you can do that. But I feel like God has brought South Africa to its knees and said, I am the plan. I am the plan. If you would look to me, if you would repent, I am your plan. And like I said, it's not a fast one out of this. It took us a long time to get here. But what we do know is we are in this season of acceleration. And if we are going to do this, guys, 
We've got to do it. And God took me to Nehemiah. And one of my first preachers when we took over the church was out of Nehemiah. And I remember my father-in-law was sitting here. And oh, my goodness, I was nerve-wracked to the hilt. Um, and then, uh, you know, after, after the meeting, trying to, you know, assess, you know, how I did, he gave me nothing. Not a thing. <laughs> Sometimes you need that, yeah. No, you need that. Because you you've got to work on things. Anyway, I think I'm preaching much better than I did nine years ago. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The thing with Nehemiah is the families built the wall. And what was interesting is, remember when Sheldon was reading out the genealogy? The same thing happens in Nehemiah. The genealogy is read out. So-and-so, the son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so. They did this portion of the wall. This family did that portion of the wall. Each family had a portion of the wall that they were responsible for. And of course, we know many things happened. But what was interesting is that although they were threatened to be attacked, there were plans to, to, for them to be attacked. Do you know that they weren't actually ever physically attacked? This is what it says in verse 14 of Nehemiah 4. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people. This is Nehemiah. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. This this is the little William Wallace pep talk, right? You know, we fight for our freedom. Don't worry, the Lord will fight for us. And then in verse 15, it says, when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. God just dealt with it. He just dealt with it. Then at verse 20, uh, 23, not 29, 23, all the eyes are going. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the God who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand and continued to build the wall. So, Bay City Church. We've got a wall to rebuild. And we have been building. We've been building in our community. We've been building in the city. Now there is a nation in need. And we're not the only nation. So it's not one of those like, oh, shame, Africa. Shame, they got it wrong again. If you look at every single country, even the ones you're not hearing about, things are going on. Brazil has had enough. They have been protesting for weeks. You won't see it on the mainstream. You just, interestingly, you want to know some news, the TikTok will tell you first. Because you get the raw videos of what's happening on the ground. People post there first. And these hundreds of Thousands of people, grannies, grandpas, kids, moms, dads, marching on their cities saying, no, there's something wrong with this election. We will not accept it. Then they storm the governmental grounds. Now the police have now had to arrest all these people. They've got not enough prisons to put people in. So they're in this massive warehouse. There's grannies, there's grandpas, and they've only got a week to charge them all, and then they've got to let them go. And the people are so determined They're like, that's it. If this is where I've got to sit for a week in order to see my country free, then so be it. 
Are we ready to do that for South Africa? We say amen. That's hard, I know. We've been through a lot. We're a traumatized nation. We are a traumatized nation. It's even hard to speak as a white person. I'll be called colonizer. I'll be called racist. Just to shut me up. But I'm sorry. I was born of this land. This is the land God gave me and my descendants. And you and your descendants. And you and your descendants. And we build this land together. You hear it a lot from government. We're, we're for you. We're together. Oh, please, shove it up your nose. The church has got to rise and shine. It's our time. We have got to speak. That's why I wanted to go down in history that she never shut up. Because it is our voices. It is our agreement together that we say no more in the spirit. Because there is this need in our land. I'm talking to my unsafe friends on, on Friday at, at gym class. There was this, what can we do? And the one precious little soul of a lady of 65 said, maybe, maybe we just got to burn tires. Maybe, maybe we just got to burn the tires on the end too. Oh, little Moors. Bless her. But there is this need to do something. But guess what? As the Ecclesia, we know what to do. We decree. We declare. And we never let up. And we do not panic. Don't let panic and fear settle in your hearts. This is our time. God is setting nations free. Nations are being set free. Don't believe what you see in the news. Don't believe it. It's the biggest load of truckle buckles you've ever come across. Give me three lines from CNN and I will refute them all. Give me three headlines and I'll give you the truth on all three. Don't believe it anymore, guys. We go by the word of the Lord. And there are trusted voices out there. There are also marches being organized because there is. Even though I know I'm the Ecclesia and I know I can decree and declare, man, I want to do something. I want to make my, I want to make it known. I want my kids to see, hey, this is how you stand up for your country. This is how you say, no, I, I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm tired of the suffering. The corruption is evil. It's so demonic. It's enough. It's never for the people. What's a lie? They've lied to us for years. And the white people have had to keep quiet because we have been blamed for apartheid of years ago. And I'm saying it now. I was not a part of that. And I was never raised to be a part of that. I always knew the truth. And now, in my time now, I'm making it right. Don't call me a colonizer. We're together. We will set this nation free together. I'm sorry for the suffering you went through if you went through apartheid. But there has to be a brighter day. And Sheldon has said it before. You know, you go to, in 1995, the World Cup and what that did. And it's the emotion of hope. It's a powerful, powerful drug is hope. 
but it's just an emotion that a, that a sporting event can create. It is the church that then is able to, should be able to carry that hope and make it look like something for the people. So you cannot come here. We cannot come here and create emotion. Emotion doesn't do anything. Emotion doesn't change a country. Actually doing something changes a country. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand over to Sheldon. He's going to share just some stories. We are then going to decree... Thanks, Neil. I mean, I thought I was pretty good. Gee, tough crowd. We're going to decree, and then we are going to sing our national anthem as a blessing over our country. Before anything, I think we do need to turn those screens on, Archie. Are the screens on yet? No. Are they on? Yeah, they did turn on. Okay, it's fine. Before I say anything any further, I just, I just want to honor my amazingly beautiful wife. Because, you know, I go away, you know, and she, it's the house. It's all the things. There was a school holiday, so there wasn't a place to send the kids to away this week, you know. Like, go and be there until three, and then I'll see you later kind of thing. And then also just to leave the church in, yes, we've got a team and the eldership, but in very capable hands, babes. And it's an absolute honor to run with you and what we're doing here with the things of God. An absolute joy to do this together. When I, Kathleen, 25 years ago, asked me, what do you, what do you want to do one day? You know, and I said, mm, I'm going to be a pastor. She's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, really? I think that, that was make or break moment. Honestly, but look, look, you, look at us now. Look what's happened. You would never thought you'd do this. But see what God does through hearts, and it's a joy to run to you. And I want to honor you. I honor you. I honor you. It's a privilege. I, I, am a, I am a little tired, I must admit, because I left South African time, breakfast time, on Friday morning from our retreat center on a three-and-a-half-hour bus trip, having dinner with our group of people, to the airport, 10 and a half hours from Seoul to Doha, 16 hours in the Doha airport. It's boring. It's lots of shops, but it's all way overpriced. So there's, it's not like fun, okay? And then a 10-hour flight from Doha to Cape Town, and I landed at 5 o'clock this morning. I went home and had a shower, and here I am. Because if, honestly, if I think about it, if I was sitting at home now, I'd be more frustrated. Just come to church. Just be here. But this, this, this week, honestly... Um, whew, something, something powerful has taken place. I can't process it all yet. It's going to take me time. But what this trip reminded me of was, you see, I have realized with God is that he, he doesn't, the world is a very small thing for him. And it means nothing to him f to send you on the other side of the world just to meet someone. And in 2012, Kathleen, well, I went to Indonesia to a conference. We went with Kathleen and the kids, and I met this couple, Fred and Sue Rowe. And from that couple, connections that I've had have speared a trip like this to be able to go to South Korea. And the, the reality of this trip was very similar. You see, the Lord invites you to places. I can say no to a lot of things, but when it's yes with the Lord, he'll make a way. And I mean, they covered this whole trip. They paid everything, these people that invited us. They paid everything. And it reminded me of when I went to Israel in 2012. And that moment Sean Foyt asked, hey man, you want to come to Israel, bro? We just, I knew. 
And any of that you were around, when I came back in 2012, you knew something had happened. And I, I, don't, I couldn't put it in words. I couldn't understand. But you know, you know what it is. You know how it played out. What we've been preaching over the last couple of months was from 2012. It started there. God unrolling these things in hearts and just to show us the way, and then it manifests. It takes time in God for things to marinate and the right timing to really start. And, that, and when I left Israel, I, I jumped on an airplane, and I remember I was in the very front, and it was the A380s when new planes, this massive airplane. And I sat in the front, and I put this song by Donna, J- Jonathan David Helser of intimacy in my ears. And I just remember flying out of Israel and just crying and crying and crying, and I don't know why, I was just so in love with Jesus, and I just, the story, the biggest of the story of what he is to us in this nation just became real to me, and I just remember shedding tears, and I cried for a lot of that plane ride home, and I didn't understand what was going in my heart, but as you just kept pursuing it, you see those things play out, and when, when this invite came for this trip to South Korea, we just knew, we always talked together, what do you feel, God say yes, and we're like, you've got to go to that. There's something on that. And I just knew I had to go to this. And I'll explain a little bit about the context of it now. But when I flew out of South Korea on, late on Friday night, and I got onto the plane, and I put the song um, in my ear loudly, and I just sat back, and my heart just broke for what had happened this last week. And it was like hard to put into words why I was just crying. And I was just like... So emotional. I had so much emotion. I'm sitting now. Planes are cramped places, okay? There's a lot of people shoved into a small capsule of place, okay? So the next person's sitting, they're there, you know? And I'm like with my cap on going like, you know, like trying to hide. And I'm just bawling. I'm bawling because God's done something in my heart. He's broken me about something. And I'll explain to you the context of it now. And after probably about half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour into the flight, the sweet young little Korean girl offers me a tissue. <laughs> wow, well, no tissue. I'm like, nah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm fine. Thanks. Okay. And she's probably thinking, what the hang? Who's he saying goodbye to? I mean, crikey, it can't, be, it can't be that bad, you know? But God did something in my heart, and I know that will now unfold in the years and the months to come because God's got something special for us as a community aligning us, and it's not me doing it, it's us co-laboring together with Christ to see the church arise in this country and bring change. So just some context here of, of, and I know in the video that I sent out when I was leaving at the airport last Saturday, um, 16 nations were invited to join this prayer movement called the Esther Prayer Movement that's been praying for years and years, about 15 years, for the release of North Korea. Okay, now North Korea, if you understand what's happened there, is that through the war in the 1950s, early 1950s, it ended up where the country split into two. Essentially, they, they didn't ever sign a peace, a peace treaty. Okay, it's just basically been said, okay, we'll stop. The, they're actually still at war 70 years later. They've just not shot missiles all at the land. So 16 countries came and supported South Korea in the war. And to typical South Africa at that stage in our, of our politics in the country where South Africa used it as a, as a political gain to get favor from America because we were still a, a British colony at that time in 1949. And so we were trying to gain favor from the Americans because the threat of communism in our country, they're lying. But they were trying to get favors to do stuff. So any of that whole process, so 16 countries 
came to represent nations. I represented South Africa that came to support South Korea in this war. And, the, and the, the, the people were very honoring of us and thankful that we came to help them have their freedom so that they could be a nation now that can flourish. And South Korea, as you know, has flourished. It's an incredible country. I mean, things are organized. Everything's jack, jacked up. North Korea is an absolute disaster. And each of, each of the countries that we represented, I'll just read them out. There was Belgium there. There was the Philippines. There was me, South Africa. There was Australia. There was England. There was Ethiopia. There was the United States, New Zealand, Netherlands, and the Luxembourg. There was Greece, Canada, France, um, Albania, Turkey, Colombia. And there was not someone from Mexico, but Mexico apparently. And did I read Thailand as well, um, a part of that. And these, these are representatives representing their country. And... What kind of the whole point of this, this week was about was to equip the church with the times that we're living in, that we stand and fight. It was exactly what Kathleen said to you now was this whole conference. So now this is what the conference, so this is what it looks like. I land last Sunday afternoon at half past four, their time, which is like 10, 10, 30 years. As you were having church, I was landing in Seoul. From Seoul, from the airport, it's straight to dinner to like meet these guys and kind of connect and the next morning, we catch the bus, and we go to our retreat center, and we're running a little late because there was a bit of traffic, there was accident, whatever. And the meeting starts at 9 in the morning, okay, and ran until 1 o'clock the next morning. So we arrived Monday lunchtime. I was dressed in, like, jeans and a, t- a, sh- a golf shirt, and I was speaking, you know, a little bit later. I had to go to the bathrooms. We hadn't got a rooms yet to change into a shirt and look half decent because these are all suit and tied up there. Uh, this is very underdressed. Okay, but we had to, each of the nations spoke into how, what God was saying to them. I'll share that with you now about, but the Monday started at lunchtime, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, went from nine, nine thirty in the morning to one o'clock in the morning, every day. Not once did I pick up, oh, this is such a loss. Not once. Like the sincerity and the seriousness of these people to ensure that their nation thrives, you can feel it. And I must admit my, tolerance level was struggling on the Thursday night because we'd done a whole thing and this guy just kept here to go through this prayer program and we weren't going to finish it. We finished it quarter to two in the morning. No one's moaning. I mean, they're very compliant nation, but it's not compliant out of a bad attitude. It's compliant because we need to do this. And so they, so through the, the few days we had in total 23 talks, some preachers to lectures to all sorts of stuff speaking to us, and then all the other nations sharing 30 hours of information at me in four days. It's a lot of information, but they were purposefully going after the challenges the country is facing. And I want to tell you, their challenges are not different to ours. The, the number of times they spoke into the, and they used the word homosexuality. It's the spirit of homosexuality. They will not tolerate it. They're the one country that haven't buckled and agreed that same-sex marriage is illegal in their country. The church are fighting it legally. They're fighting it in in prayer and believing and trusting God that this will not happen. The whole thing of abortion. They are the highest rated country in the world for the most abortions. And so they they are fighting these challenges at the church. The corruption, people in their government, literally now we were played a news clip last week, billions of dollars worth of corruption in their government. It's the same, the same things, the same stuff we're dealing with. He says, so we're not alone in this as God is showing us and speaking to us about all the different things. Racism, obviously the challenge with us. And there, the other side, and through our journey now with preaching in the end of times, I'm going to just help you. We're going to speak into Islam. 
and we spoke into Islam and the, the challenge that we have with the religion of Islam and the, the, the mindset of people, how they are approaching the, 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 the context to kind of have an have a, have a, um, uh, influence in the world. We cannot be silent and sit back. Your schools are under threat. Okay, your workplace, everything, we've got to be from that kind of position. So the conference was that in total and speaking. So there was a guy talking about nuclear war. And the, the reality of what's happening across the road in North Korea is that of a push of a button, they have nuclear weapons. They could, they could blow up South Korea in, in a moment. The threat they're under, and they have, they have to be informed. So it's not like, yay, church meetings, and we talk church all the time. We're getting to the, the facts, the points. Now, very interesting, like after going to this now, two weeks' time, again, I'm not here on a Sunday morning because um, I'm away with 300 men that are gathering around our country with, you remember Dr. Arno Fenikak that was here in September promoting his book about the whole economic forum? He's rallied 300 men from around this country to talk South Africa. It's going to be men from all walks of life, from government to politics to education to the business world to church. We're coming together to see what we can do. And I felt God speaking to me in, in, in Korea about what we need to do as, a, as the church. And he, and he kept saying, you need to make a noise. You need to make a noise. And we need to stand up for things. And that's the challenge with the church is if we start speaking about abortion, half of you don't agree with us. And we've all got different opinions. That's why we are diluted in our power and our authority, because we don't believe the same things. And unless we're going to come into alignment with what the Word of God tells us, we are a lost people. And if we're going to keep wandering in this uncompromised or this compromised mindset, ah, it's just going to work out, you are lost. And the church is lost. And for 25 years, we've wandered in this country. And actually, it's coming with an arising of, I don't care what color, creed, where you're from, we are the church that we are standing together now. We're believing and trusting God to use us. So when it comes to these topics, and we can't be wishy-washy, the gender stuff, this, the stuff of racism, the stuff of abortion, we need to be in agreement. And this is what, in two weeks' time, we're going to be talking about this stuff, and we're going to have to start making a noise across our country. And then what God says to me as I say that is that Elijah thought he was alone. God, where are the prophets? God said, I've stored up 7,000 prophets that have not bowed to Baal, and they are waiting in the wings. There are hundreds and thousands and millions of Christians across South Africa who haven't bowed, who haven't buckled, and they've just got no voice. They've got nowhere to put their voice, and they're going to start coming out. And this voice is going to start arising, and it's going to put our government, it's going to put our systems under threat because there's the people who have righteousness and justice inside of them that are arising. That's what it means when the ecclesia arise. And we're uncompromising that. And that just being there this week just settled that back in me. We need to make a noise as the Church of South Africa. And I'm, you know, when you leave somewhere and you've been deeply impacted, like those tears on the plane for me, I just suddenly realized something's happened in my heart here. And God has aligned us as a community to be in a place where He wants to use us. So it's interesting in their meetings, you know, we didn't pray for longer than five or six minutes the whole few days of the conference. We didn't pray for longer than that at all, but we prayed about everything. So if Kathleen was the next guest speaker to come up, the guy would go for about two, three minutes about prayer points, and we would pray for the speaker that is about to come up. And what they would do is everyone kind of listens, and he gives the prayer points. They all read a scripture together like we're doing, declaring the scripture. Then they read the three, four prayer um, points all together out loud, and then the speaker goes, Chui! They all say together, Chui! Like that together, which means, my Lord. 
They're going, my Lord, my Lord. And then for five, six, seven minutes, there's just a buzz. Nonstop. And then, I mean, the guy's got some serious power who leads this thing. He stands on stage. He goes, and the band are thundering away, singing a song. And it's just noise. Five, six, seven minutes. Not long hours. We're going to thunder throw. Just power, power, power. And he stands there with his hand and goes. And everyone stops. I was like, Wow. And then he carries on. I was like, wow, that's, that's some serious authority and power the guy's got there. I just didn't mess around with this guy. But there's, there's this arising, you see, just with the church across the nations of, of, the, of the world. And when I go to places, I'm always looking for the anointing. I don't go to their conference, oh, nice. There was no, there's no sightseeing. I, I literally didn't see anything. I le- arrived there in the dark. Uh, went to dinner in the dock, got on the bus the next day, drove to the retreat center, had a flat-out five days, got into the bus, it was misty and rainy, couldn't see a thing, went to dinner, went to the airport, it was dark. I just saw nothing. I saw nothing of Seoul or South Korea, nothing. I even tried to buy a fridge made, got the shops were all closed in the airport. I got nothing to prove that I was there. And I got on a plane and then came home. But God doesn't, he's not a matter of time, space. He's like, I need you to go there. I've got an assignment for you, 60 nations. But for you, I'm going to put something in your heart, and you're going to lead a people, and we're going to come alive. God's doing it. So I'm, I know there's things are going to unfold, this, the positioning and planning and timing of things. But I'm trying to figure out, when, when, you, when you go to a place, you want the anointing. I mean, people can be impressive, and they speak, and they talk. They can be amazing. But there was this lady who on the Tuesday led worship, and... There was just an anointing on her. I could just like, so at the end of the day, it was at the end of the day, that's right, end of the Tuesday, I just, I went to her and I just wanted to encourage her. I felt God just give me a word of encouragement. I said, hey, I just, I just want to say hi. I just want to, I just want to bless. Oh, I'm sorry. She she does not understand a word of English. I'm like, "Um, what do you do now? You're like, um, and then one of the guys who was the huntlanger was there running around, she said, like, called him, and he called. Now, he was busy, and I didn't really have a lot of time. He, you know, he's a busy guy, and he doesn't have time to interpret for me. And I just wanted to release over a heart, God, God sees your heart. He sees the sacrifice of your praise, and he, just want, he wants you to know that he sees everything what you're walking through, and he sees what's on your heart, and as you're releasing worship, you're just like, oh, thank you, thank you so much, thank you, and just, I mean, there's no, and what I realized with something, eyes can talk, eyes talk, and the way she just looked at me, and there was just this thank you, this deep sincerity of her heart, and there was one moment, this little girl arrived at the, in the meeting space, there's like a 10-minute break, and then we go on to the next thing, and keep going, and I walked in the hall, and I gave her like a, no, it's no English, I can't understand, a high five, bah, gives me a high five, and then I went to give her a fist pump like this, and she went, uh, so a fist pump, then she went, oh. I was like, I can talk ching chong cha, I can talk ching chong cha, okay, so we go ching chong, ah, ching chong cha, ah, 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 I'm like, yay, she won, I'm like, that's amazing, <laughs> It's just, and I like, you don't need words to communicate. So I walked down to my seat and stuff, and then she had followed me, and she was standing next to me. She'd come and give me a hug, and just give me a hug. I mean, like, beautiful little girl and stuff. Then we play Ching Chong Cha again there in the beginning of the meeting. And, and every time I see her, then I'd play Ching Chong Cha. And all the kids, I'd give a half hour and play Ching Chong Cha. Communication is not words. It's just, it, it's, that's part of communication. And this girl, this lady's eyes, then I found out, 
on the Thursday, I think it was, the girl that's organized everything, and they're super organized. Things run to the clock there. There's no, like, Africa time, just it's the event, just take it easy. It's just like, cluck, cluck, cluck. And I, I found out that that group, so one band led worship the whole day until, like, 10, 10.30 at night. They did the, all the sessions of, not long sessions of worship, like 15 minutes, 10 minutes, just. But in the one session during the day, she started singing... Um, that song that Josh Groban made famous, you know, you raise me up so I can stand. We start the session with that song, Worshipping. And I love that song. I mean, it's beautiful. It's just, there is an anointing on it. It's beautiful. And she links it to, to God be the, what's the hugger? To God be the glory, to God be the glory. And that song just hits my heart because we sang it at my mom's funeral. And I just, as I took a video of it and I sent it to my dad, I was like, I'm crying there because, I mean, just remembering, you know, that day and that moment and kind of stuff. And, you know, my mother sent it to him. He's chunking in South Africa. And we're just having a moment there together. Then I found out that most of that team leading worship on the Thursday were, most of them were defectors or defected from North America. They'd escaped. Sorry, from North Korea. Well, they should escape North America at this stage. <laughs> okay. And, and this lady had fled North Korea and she'd married a Chinese guy, and they are told if they get it, well, China's very hard. You can't, you, there's no room there either because they find out you're a Christian, all those things that are, she, and she basically fled to South Korea. And the word is that the only way you're going to integrate into South Korea is through the church. That's the word on the street. The only way you will survive here is through the church. So they help them, and they, because there's about 25 or 35,000 people that have escaped North Korea only in these last 70 years a high number of them commit suicide because of depression. And I didn't know that about this band on the day. And then I found out this woman that had led, her brother, she had found out two days before the conference that her brother had just been killed in North Korea. And she said, no, I will still worship my God. Now, when, when we say he's been killed, it means he's been found out that he's a Christian and he's put to death. The life expectancy in Korea, if they find you're a Christian, is two weeks. Two weeks. If they find out, you're gone. And so hearing stories of these people that had been in North Korea and escaped out of the country, the one story is this woman knew she had to get out through a whole thing. See, that's so indoctrinated there that King Yong Chung, whatever his name, King Yong Sung, he is God. He, his grandfather, his father, and himself have been made out to be God. People worship him. There are like 100 or 50 foot statues that these people all like bow to, that kind of stuff. And he calls himself God. So there's such a, a, um, a context of that if you find out someone else is about to escape, you report them. Even if it's your mother, even if it's your brother, you report them. So this woman, through the thing, she gets across, they all mostly escape north into China. And she gets across the river. As she gets across the river, she meets human traffickers. She's got a 13-year-old daughter with her. They basically take her daughter. For $150, they buy her. She's never seen her daughter again. Doesn't know where she is. She's then captured by these guys, put through hell with these guys, escapes from them into Mongolia. And the, the traumas that, that just these people have faced in their lives, I realize we've got nothing to complain about, guys. You, you, you know nothing. The context of, I, I, yes, my level of suffering is very different to every other people's level of suffering. P 
people basically eating maggots because there's enough protein in a maggot to survive in North Korea. Living in minus 20 degrees situations in snow because they've been cast out and no one wants to embrace them. And they're just kind of left out. They're beaten, naked, left like they are, they are pe- treated to pieces of meat. It's, not, it's inhumane. And these stories started breaking my heart. And this, this woman who lost her brother two, three days before, he's been found out he's a Christian, he's put to death. She still came to worship God and just honored and, and raised and lifted up his name. So as we were, as we were walking out on the, on the Friday afternoon, lunchtime as the conference ends, they allow all the, so what we did at the end of the conference, we've got 16 nations represented. We sang the blessing song over the people. And we sang in 11 different languages, we sang the blessing over them, and we kind of just released the blessing of God and His favor upon them and generations to believe and trust God. And they, they allowed us to all walk out first up the aisle and applauded us. I'm like, why are you applauding us? We've done nothing. You, the, what you guys are fighting for here is such an evil that is set up against this place and believing and trusting God, but they just keep, keep going. And as we're walking out, this w- woman who had, you know, leading worship, and I found out about all the stuff of her. I mean, her name is, um, let me just get it, sorry, off here. Signal doesn't work in the Doha airport as well. They block everything. It's very interesting. Eh? Her name is, can you put that picture up there for me, Daniel? Ye, Ye Yi Yong Chang, which means appointed, prearranged. Okay, by God, this woman... I don't know what it is, but she, she for me is representing what God did in my heart about a people that are prepared not to back down, no matter what they're facing. When, you, when someone escapes out of North Korea, it's not, oh, quickly, you just cross the river. They have escaped atrocities there that, that none of us, I can guarantee none of us in this country have faced. The, the depth of evil that they're dealing with in that country is of another level. And she gives me, as I'm walking up the aisle, everyone's greeting, and I bowed so many times this week. You walk in and stuff, yes, hello, thank you, yes, hello, hello. I was like, I think I'm going to have a bad back by the end of the week. But she, she kind of called me out and, and just looked at me in those eyes again. And then I knew her story, and I was like, girl, that you would still get up and worship God, knowing the pain that you're going through in your heart, but you still chose God over your own emotion, and your own lack, and your own kind of, and she's holding a baby, and she gives me, this juice box as a gift because I meant something to her, you know, just with us being there. And she just gave this to me as a, this is for you representing. And I walked out, I was a bit in a daze because it was so emotional. And I stood outside, I thought, no, man, I've got to get a picture of this woman just to be in, just to remember this moment because she, for me, represent, is representing what God's done in my heart about his heart for us as a people that no matter what you're going through, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what challenges you face, His love for you outweighs everything. No matter the pain, no matter the, the trials, the opposition, His love outweighs. And, and His full redemption for some is that they face death and are with Him in glory. And they're okay with that. Because I could feel in her heart, she knew, I'll see my brother one day. I'll be united with him and be together. And, and the power of, of of just being, being broken in heart, but actually realizing the privilege we have, the privilege we have of serving God. So what I, what Dan was, 
I, at the end of my talk, I shared this. We all had words, you see, as the nations from different places, sharing what we felt God had laid on our hearts. And um, I had a dream in April last year, which I felt was related to South and North Korea. And the dream that I had was, in my dream, I thought I must get burglar bars put onto the windows of the house. And the burglar bars, the burglar bars were installed as chocolate. And in my mind, I'm thinking, that's going to keep no one out. It's actually, that's actually not repelling, like pushing people away. That's actually inviting. And then, and then the next part of the dream was me wanting to write a song. And, and, I, and I was writing words for a song. And then the third line of the song, I started singing another song. And the lines of the song are... Uh, you know, the starts with all the nations, they shall come. And the line is holding broken chains above their heads, saying, we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And, and what I realized in that dream is that, is that what's going to happen with this country is where there's the, the intention was to repel and push away, which it is right now. But God's going to turn it around that there's going to be the invitation for people to come. And those that are in that nation will hold the chains above their heads, saying, we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And we stand firm and we stand strong on, on what God has done for us. And we got to share all that because there's about 24 million people that live in North Korea. They estimate, they, you, you, can't, there's no, you don't know, they, in, uh, 15 years ago they thought there were maybe 200,000 Christians in North Korea. They estimate now there's about 400,000 believers it's exponentially growing. They, they, they put messages out at 4.30 in the morning through the radio. And people secretly will go and listen to the radio in the middle of the night of messages broadcast from South Korea just so they can hear the Word of God. People have taken portions of the Bible that they've actually handwritten out and keep it with them. They don't have a Bible. They handwrite stuff out and keep it in secret. If, clearly, if you're found reading the Bible or have a Bible in you, you're immediately taken. This one girl explains how she came back from school and her dad was gone. And her grandmother said, no, no, he's just gone to a government meeting, but he was caught reading his Bible in his workshop. And he's taken and she never saw him again. And he's killed. And, and it, what's, what struck me and stirred in my heart is that God is asking of us in this time, stop moaning, stop complaining, stop being miserable in, oh, where is my life and how things are. The context of what these, I felt, what these people have suffered in that nation is nothing. I promise you from all walks of life in South Africa is nothing compared to what we face here. Honestly. And I know there are different degrees of suffering. Hear me there. But unless we stand together and get past our prejudices and get past all these differences in our hearts and try and get back at something, no, we have to trust God in this hour. And he's asking of the church in South Africa, unite. And we're going to come together as a united voice, and we're going to have to start making a noise. See, this is the power of, I mean, I got to release and sing that song, Lion of Judah, over the, over the people. It was awesome. It was beautiful. Releasing the roar of the Lion of Judah. You see, he is a mighty warrior. He is the mighty king. He will smite you in a moment. He will do all that, but he's also the lamb. That when, he needs, when you need him to be gentle and loving for you, he's that as well. He's the lion and the lamb. That's the power of our God and the might that it is together. And that. So what I, what, I, what I feel God has stirred in us, is stirring in us is that this is going to be a year of activation. 
Kathleen's right. She said, it's, it's easy to say, and these words are, you're kind of, well, what do you mean by we can't do churches, church, and I'm not doing it anymore? If you are not proactive and actually doing your portion and your part, you can't sit back and moan. If, you, if, you, if it's prayer you want to commit to, you're a part of something. If it's actually getting your hands, like Sia Kula, your hands onto something, you are making a change. And this year, is, I feel God speak to me and over the few days there. Actually, the word that I had was mobilizing into action. And I remember God spoke to me a couple of years ago about that. I thought, mobilized into kingdom understanding. That was 2019. But this year, I think talking to Kathleen, it's a year of activation. And I'm just going to WhatsApp everybody this week and saying, if you were planning not to come to church next Sunday, you need to be here. I bet you it's going to be a beautiful day. There's going to be no wind, and there's going to be beautiful go to the beach. I promise you, I can feel it already. That's how, that's how the enemy lacquer there works. Yeah, let's go to the beach. It's a lacquer day. Next week, we are going to pray and we're going to lay hands on people because we are going to activate things in the spirit here. And you are going to commit in your heart what you are going to do for the Lord this year. And whether it means I'm going to start praying for the persecuted nations, or I'm going to start praying permanently with a few people once a week for our nation and our government, or I'm going to start praying for the church, or I'm going to start volunteering, or I'm going to start doing this. You need to understand what your mandate is. And if we're wandering around, like, and I'm hoping the best, and we see where we go, we are aimless. It's like an arrow pointed, you just go, and you hope for the best. It'll never, ever, ever hit the target. It needs strategy, understanding, a purpose in this. And we're going to get each other, each one of us are going to write it down on a piece of paper. So prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. We're going to commit, not to me, not to the eldership, and we're going to go through. Everyone's like, mm, yeah, ooh, okay, big commitment. That's good. Like, um, John, in January, you committed to this. It's July. Where are you at with it? That's, uh, you're not accountable to me. You're accountable to God. And we're going to each write it on a piece of paper with your name on it, and at the end of the year, we're going to hand it back to you. And you're going to look at this going, did I squander this time? Because not a, this is not a season to squander. Did I squander this? Or did I actually faithfully commit to what I felt God say that I must do for his ecclesia this year? I'll make it clear. It's not for me. This is not for this church to, did I, I'm so over that stuff. God's bigger than all of us, and he'll do what he needs to do beyond us. But he's asking of us to co-labor and to get your hands and your hearts into gear, and there's an activation. And I'm going to share with you the, the encounter that I had with the Lord in November 2012, where God spoke to me and he said, gather your army. And I feel the time is, we've prepared for such a time as this. It's taken all these years. It's now. It's now. And God is asking of us, because it's not a time to sit back and allow others to do it. He's calling us as the ecclesia to arise. And to ask God and to stand up for these voices. If you've got a passion inside of your heart and this desire, this, this, this strong feeling of the hatred towards what abortion has done, that's the Lord speaking to you. Okay, that's not just because you are affected by it. Go away, think this week. What are the things that just, <clears throat> that righteous thing goes, you know what, I hate that. I'm sick of tolerating. For me, it's the church. I cannot handle controlling leadership that pushes the people down and the pastor elevates himself as this glory and mightiest king. In the background, he's an absolute dog of a man, but he stands in front of people and leads them and he thinks God's still with him. That, that, if you want to ask me, I will give my, and I have given my life to that every day to see the church arise with power where we all are rising together and not just about the pastor. See, there's the passion. Unless you know what that is, okay, you're going to wander aimlessly at the sea, in the sea. And I'm, I'm going to message on Tuesday to remind you. 
We've got to think about what we're going to do. And I know like an example here, I'm looking at Uri, I'm sorry, V, you know, she's an evangelist, people. She gets people saved. She ministers disciples to people nonstop. That's her passion. God's placed it on her heart. It's the time to find our lands. Some of you will just be prayer. Look at Simeon and Anna in the Bible. Anna just committed herself to prayer and fasting, and she saw the Messiah. She fulfilled her mandate. It wasn't on the stage. It was, that's Pete and Sharon, your mom. That's what she did. She just prayed. She was heaven's hero. She never took the mic here, never spoke on the stage, but she arrived with a welcome of a hero because she had done what the Lord asked her to do. And I've been, we've been saying this for years, but now's the time. And we're going to commit. And you're going to put it down on a piece of paper, like we did with those living stones, coming together, building up the household of God. It's not, it's not for a good meeting, folks. Lockdown, everyone's fighting for the church to have a meeting. I was like, are we only fighting for a meeting? Is that all we're fighting for? It's beyond the meeting. It's a people that go out with faith, the people that stand believing the things of God and are uncompromising in the standards. Because if you just keep reading the Bible, there's your standard. Keep reading the Word of God. The one guy was explaining that. He says, when these people come out of North Korea, what they do is they make them read the Bible for eight hours a day. They just read through the New Testament. Every day for about three months, they read the New Testament. It takes about eight hours, they said. They just read the New Testament. Why? Because they are unlocking all the, the indoctrination of a certain thinking, and it takes the Word of God to unlock it. And they just read the Bible for hours and hours and hours, every day, every day, and then they're set free. Yeah? And we're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to go to church this morning. Oh. Yeah, I think I'll just have a line. Yeah, it's a lucky day. Kids, you want to go to the beach today? And you choose social fun over coming before to meet before God as a people to be together. It's, that's, the, that's what Kathleen's saying about we can't just do church like meetings anymore. That's what she's saying. And, and honestly, that impacted me about this people in South Korea. Is there was no, there was a, a sincerity to fight in prayer. And when they prayed, man, they were in unity. The room like surged. People prayed out and then it all stopped. Quite amazing. Are you ready? Are you up for this? Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Tracy. Are you telling me I'm going to stop? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had no, I had no, I don't know what to say, but you see, in two weeks' time, I'm away with 300 men around this nation. There's hope. Because the right people are coming together. And, it's, and the prophets have been saying for ages, it's the nameless faces, faceless who are rising in this hour. And God's going to use this, this nation, this country, with the people of God that are rising in this time, in this hour. Yeah. Come on, let's stand together. We're going we're gonna to declare, and then we're going to sing a national anthem, and I'm going to pray over you as we go. You can. Stand with your families. Gather your children. Sheldon's been very gracious. I was like, no, today we will commission and today you will commit. He's been very gracious giving you a week. But there is something about are we as a family, the Kidwell family are committed to building our part of the wall. Are you going to commit with your family to build your, your part of the wall? We're going to put the decree up and we're actually going to send it out on the WhatsApp if you don't have it. If you are able to, well, we'll send it again, Sam. And if you want, take pictures as we go. To decree out of the Word of God is not a hard thing to do. Some struggle, so use this decree. If you've got your own decrees, commit to doing them daily, okay? 
Because I'm telling you now, as we begin to unite, we will see the stages begin to drop as heaven's order begins to restore our land. And it will not be too long from now, and I'm going to say this boldly, we will look back and go, remember when? Remember when that was our everyday reality of four hours of load shedding or whatever the case is, but look what our God has done. Look what our God has done. So today we're going to do our decree you can put it up for me, Daniel. I'm not going to read Isaiah 60 verses 1 to 3. We know it well. So let's go. We decree today that South Africa, it is your time to arise and shine. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. We as the Ecclesia take our rightful place as a legislative body and we decree that the thick darkness which covers our land is to be lifted in Jesus' name. All demonic assignments through witchcraft, ancestral worship, corruption and violence are to be stopped in name of Jesus. We decree that the light of our Lord has come to our land today. And South Africa, you have now your prophetic destiny. (laughs) Decree that the heart of this nation be opened in the spirit to receive heaven's plans and strategies. We release righteousness, truth, peace, unity, and justice to flow like rivers into our land today. We destroy all the works of the enemy to strangle and cripple South Africa and its people. We decree heaven's order over all government structures and entities today. We say, South Africa, you will birth the next revival and fulfill your destiny. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Nkosi Sikilele Africa, Waza Moya, Waza Moya. In Jobless Africa, come, Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's sing this together. Have we got the words for this? I want to see the English yeah, side of it. Okay. 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 Sikalela Se chabasa and he so 
Sechabasa, South Africa, South Africa. Nate Blofan on Sahimo, Eighty Deep Tafan on Sing. Waarom sierige berktes waar die kranse antwoord ging? Sounds the call to come together and united we shall stand. Let us live and strive for freedom in South Africa and our land. Amen. Amen. Hear the cry of your people, Lord. Hear the cry of this nation, Lord. God bless Africa. God bless South Africa. Come and pour your spirit out. Come and pour your spirit out in this land. Almighty God, thank you, Jesus. You see, there's an anointing on that last part that speaks of unity and togetherness. Come on, let's lift our hands. Hari Almighty God. As a sign saying, Father, come and use me. Come and use me. Don't now fall into the trap tomorrow when everyone's negative and pulling this nation apart when you arrive at work. Say, I know, guys, there's lots of trouble, but man, we've got hope. Well, why is there hope? Because I believe in a God that is beyond this world. There's no panic. There's no worry in heaven about the nations or this nation. I stand on the hope of my King Jesus. And so, Father, I release that authority over every heart and over every voice here today. That when we speak, we speak with hope. When we speak, we don't come from a place of moaning and complaining. We are so thankful, Lord, of what you've done for us and what we have as a nation. Yes, we've got stories. We've had trials. But yet we still stand together, united as a people. And the only people that can lead the way of that is the church of God. And I say to you, Almighty God, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Use me for the glory of your ecclesia and your name in this nation of South Africa. And I prepare my heart now, Lord. I prepare my heart for when we come here next week, for me to know my assignment of heaven. Get before the Lord this week. Don't just wander and hope for the best. Father, I release dreams over every heart. I pray you speak to them through the Word of God. I pray you speak to them through nature. You speak to people's hearts that they awaken to say, that's what the Lord wants me to do. That He rests in your spirit this heart and He arrests your attention. That you will understand that call, that passion, and that desire. It might just be an inkling of a feeling, but it's the start. It's the beginning. And then we blow the fan, the way, the, the wind of His Spirit, and it fans into flame this passion and this desire. And we release the wind of your Spirit over every heart because we will not be silent in this hour. We will not back down and be quiet as the Ecclesia, as God's called out. Called out ones to stand in this day and this hour. And we're going to shout the name of Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus! Amen, amen, amen. Get before the Lord this week, folks. Hear His voice. He's for us. He's with us. Amen, amen.